0: Sit comfortably, everyone. Good evening, everyone on Zoom. We have a very crowded house on Zoom mm-hmm. this evening. I want to talk tonight about the middle way. You've probably all heard that expression in Buddhism, it's referred to as the middle way, and where that That's the middle that. <laughs> um, the way. Where the expression came from was that uh, when the Buddha first started his practice after he left home, uh, he, went, he, well, he, he lived a very um, uh, luxurious kind of life. Um, so the story goes, um, before he uh, became a forest monk, and then he went to the extreme of asceticism and starved himself, and became and led a very ascetic kind of uh, life. Um, but he realised after doing that for a long time that that didn't work either. And so, had the story goes, he then accepted some um, milk from a cow maid whose name was Sajata, and uh, and he had nourishment and food. And then when he strengthened himself through breaking this extreme asceticism, then he sat in meditation and had some kind of, had an awakening. Um, that's, that's the story of the Buddha. So the middle way in that original story is about not going to extremes of self-indulgence, but on the other hand, not going to extremes of asceticism either. Um, but it's it's come to mean um, more than just about indulgence or asceticism, um, that term, and sometimes these that things are better described in a story. Um, But once um, a a monk came to the Buddha and asked him, um, is there a self or no self? And the Buddha just sat there in his noble silence, didn't answer, I'm not going to say there's a self. I'm not going to say there's no self. Mm -hmm. That's also a middle way response. He talked about, you know, people talked about this being or this non-being. It's not about attaching and fixating on any of those views as being some kind of absolute. But people can then um, misunderstand that, that the middle way is just some kind of compromise in the middle somewhere, which is not really, you know, the, the spirit of it. Um, the spirit of it is, it's more like a third position, where you're not you're not fixating on absolutes of any kind, and you're kind of in the still point. And to go back to the talk I gave last um, Sunday at the Zazen Kai about the Dharma of contradictions, that we're all a bundle of contradictions, and if we hold the contradiction, um, that's also a kind of a middle way. We're not being pulled off. To this side or that side. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a uh, organisation in the UK which is called the Middle Way Society, which I'm very interested in um, uh, following up on more this year in terms of how the Middle Way relates to world issues that we go through, you know, political differences and conflicts and so on, um, because that's their that's the focus. I like, what is a Buddhist middle way of, of approaching um, these kind of political, social issues that we experience? And and it's it's not about um, taking absolute left or right-wing positions. It's another position. Neither is it necessarily a compromise in the middle. Maybe you could say it's a sensible centre, um, but it's something that's based it's making decisions based on experience, primarily, and common sense, um, rather than making, experience that is, uh, making decisions that are based more on ideology, which tends to become sort of absolute in its in its um, the way it's presented, particularly politically. And an example of the middle way um, in action in this was. Um, in uh the person of Thich Nhat Hanh who most of you would know um, uh, was a great Vietnamese Zen teacher who was very uh, prominent during the Vietnamese war so Thich Nhat Hanh and his sangha didn't take a position of supporting North Vietnam or South Vietnam they took this middle way position where they're not they're, where um, their role was to mediate and try to bring peace. Right? And, so, um, and it's a dangerous position to be in at times, because Thich Nhat Hanh and his um, followers um, got death threats from both the South, the, both the South Vietnamese because, and the North Vietnamese, because if you're not on our side, you're against us, kind of is the principle. So it can be very take a lot of courage um, to take that position and not be tribal in one's position. And, you know, in, in terms of the, the courage of the man, um, he and his other, you know, uh, Sangha members were getting canoes to go up to remote villages where there was no food and no medicine. And there were armies on both sides of the river that could easily shoot them. And they got in their canoes and they went up the river and they delivered... That food and that medicine to those villages. that took enormous courage to do that. But It is not the courage of taking a side of right or wrong or being in a in an ideological position. In the middle way um, society, some these are some of their their um, um, points they make about to describe it. Um, it's not getting caught in absolute justification um, by appealing to a god or an ideology or anything else of an absolute nature. It um, um, must be accepting... Um, it's, not, it's, not, it's not seeing things as totally right or totally false but seeing that things come in degrees you know there's a relativeness there um, it's challenging the illusory sense of certainty um, and it's not and it's not confusing um, representational meetings with embodied ones um, it's not supporting a position that um, just sees things as dualistic opposites. Against one another. And it's also challenging the kind of authority that um, comes from being with a group. Mm -hmm. So it's avoiding dogmatic extremes. And when people get together, like particularly in political groups, whether it's the left or the right or whatever, um, it's part of the psychology of that that people um, do get um, caught up in a conformist. Kind of way of looking at things, rather than thinking critically and thinking for themselves. And um, so, if a group says this is the right way or the right policy, or we should go to war, or we shouldn't do this, or whatever, um, then then the group gives that that um, absolute authority to the position. It's a kind of it's groupthink, right? And and it can be very um, intoxicating, and it can be very, it can take a lot of courage for people, whatever their political view might be, it could take a lot of courage to challenge that, you know, and to and to make decisions just based on experience and common sense. So in in Buddhism generally, when we take up the precepts around the precept of not not getting intoxicated, what it's referring to is not only substances that may intoxicate us, like alcohol, heroin, marijuana, etc. It's actually talking about ideologies that can intoxicate us as well and they can be intoxicating and people can get caught up in all kinds of self-righteous positions um, within it. So the middle way is not a compromise between those two. It's another position where you're avoiding taking extreme absolute self-righteous positions of right and wrong and you're willing to just abide in don't-know mind, Hmm? in beginner's mind, don't-know mind. You're, You're willing to just abide in the uncertainty, right? And when you really do abide in the uncertainty rather than the illusion of absolute knowledge, well, then you come to peace. There's a kind of peace that comes with that. But most human beings are trying to find confidence, peace, certainty, By going into these absolute positions of right and wrong, and it's all up here in the noggin, Mm -hmm. right? Not up here. It's not in the body. It's all up here in the noggin. That's where we're caught. And when we see through that, we have a different perspective. Now, I'm sure someone will ask me this question, so I'll preempt it. Is that we all need to have opinions in the world, right? And we do, I have opinions, I'm sure you'll you when you go to vote at the voting, you know, box when the when the the referendum or the election comes round, you tick a box, right? Labour, liberal, greens, whatever. So you're making a decision. So we we can't really get through the world without making decisions and judgments and having opinions. But what the point here is is about having fixed views, fixed opinions, as though we know they're absolutely right. And um, D.T. Suzuki, the great Zen teacher, said, Do you know, uh, gave a lecture once on the Eightfold Noble Path and started off right view, right view. What's right view? Right view is having no fixed views. Right? So it's, it's the being fixated on an opinion is the problem. It's not having an opinion, mm-hmm. so if someone was to come to me and I was to act like the Buddha and they would say to me, should you have opinions or not have opinions, well, i go, <laughs> <laughs> we do need to have opinions. You can't get by. You make, you make judgments in your life about various moral issues and so on, but fixed, problematic, um, my interest, as I go through this year, is to um, um, apply this. You know, when um, I'm contemplating and looking at political and moral issues that come up, you know, in the news and so on, and and apply this rather than being fixated on a, a fixed political position of looking at things.